Maker of Chains. All right, welcome, all you chainers out there. This is uh, Makers of Chains, episode three. Good day. Yes, the third one's always the best of the trilogy. Oh, wait, is this a trilogy? I hope right. No, this is an expanded universe. <laughs> so today we're going to talk to you about um, blockchain and how there have been lots of comparisons with the internet and the World Wide Web and kind of how the, the timeline of that might coincide with the timeline of what we're seeing with blockchain. And when we get to the end, we'll also um, go over where you can find us and some of the other things we're working on, like... Well, we're working on white paper madness <laughs> white paper madness and it is madness yeah i mean it does coincide with i don't know how to call it without being the sued the big game oh wait that's for the other big game the college state, basketball tournament 60 plus college basketball teams that are playing with a round ball does that start tomorrow or does uh, that start today thursday friday saturday sunday will be rounds one and two Boom, there you are yeah yeah so we are reading four five Six dozen white papers, uh, split three dozen, us. three dozen each. No, yeah. oh, just under three dozen. Oh, whatever. Each. Yeah, math, math, sixty-four, just under three dozen each. I mean, it feels like millions. And we are providing. You know, we're we're starting off with uh, kind of a short, a short kind of like analysis. You know, sixty seconds to ninety seconds for each one in the first round, and then as. Uh, Winners move on. Uh, try to get a little more in depth, and um, until there is one. Yeah, there is one Highlander at the end. There is uh, one Highlander Gollum holding the one ring. So stay with us. Stay with us here today because at the end we we'll, we we will be sharing with you all the different places that you can find. I mean, we're really just going to list the places you can't find us. <laughs> that will probably be easier. So yeah, it's a Bayesian search. But let's get to the topic at hand. Fine. That being parallels of time. And so get in your get in your Lorax. No, that's Doctor Seuss. What's the thing from Doctor Who? I'm thinking of the DeLorean. That's get the in. Thing. Yeah, the DeLorean that goes in your police phone machine. The TARDIS. There we are. That gets into your phone book, Bill, Bill and Ted style. And roll back to 1994. I am not a big uh, Doctor Who fan. And well, we just I, lost all our fans. I kept, I kept ending up behind. Uh, and it usually happened to be a Prius. I would end up behind a Prius at a stoplight, and it would say, "My other vehicle is a is a is the a Tardis." Prius. Yeah, and yeah. I would. So then I had to go home and like, could not understand what this phone booth was on all these Priuses, and so that's where I learned the reference. It's fair. My other phone booth is a Felcor. My other car is a car. That's really lame, but. Tell me about, so a lot of people, the comparison is everywhere. Blockchain and the internet, blockchain and the World Wide Web or what we know of, you know, most people recognize as the internet. Where, where, do you, where did it start? How, how do you explain it to someone? That, where was the beginning? Of time? What part? Of the, the internet. internet. Well, the, I mean, the internet, you know, after World War II, breaking of the Enigma machine, Cold War kept going. DARPA got involved before I think they were even called DARPA, but it was a it was a very high end series of ham radio peer to peer. The seventies with Vin Cerf and company, they amped it up into the computer, truly computerized space. Uh, getting into the eighties with the proliferation of su- supercomputers, 
and then uh, Tim Berners-Lee comes along in the early uh, to late 80s and creates his idea for uh, a protocol for the internet, which would be HTTP, brings it to CERN, CERN and them, him work together, they spew out the WWW right, in the early 90s, then commercially Mosaic comes along, done by Mark Andreessen and company, which turns into Netscape Navigator. Boom, we have a real living baby of a browser. And then we get to that infamous NBC Good Morning America skit with their crew of like, what's an at symbol? What's a WWW? What is it? What, is this, what does this mean? Yeah, what is what's this all this about? What, email? What am I going to use that for? How many, how many, like, what percentage of people do you think their first experience was on Netscape Navigator? Navigator? Like, well, how is it? I mean, it was definitely mine, uh, I think, in school. In school, we had two computers, at my, my high school, I'm dating myself, that there were two different high school computers in the entire building that had Netscape Navigator on it. And so that was my first exposure. Yeah, I believe we had AOL... 95, 96 in, in high school for me, checking out. Really, I spent most of my time when we could get on, when we could all fight each other you know, on the, our 20-something machines for supremacy, each look at GeoCities websites, and I was trying to get on Green Day's website, yeah. I remember, a number of times, and I had to download you know, 1,400 different modules to be able to see anything, Flash, and... Well, and that's where, uh, like... Thinking back to, you know, the Netscape Navigator, AOL, you know, thinking back to, like, getting, you know, the family home computer, getting it logged on, and then, you know, going on eBay and, like, bidding on things, creating an eBay account, bidding on things, and that was so, you know, out there, and now it seems like everyday kind of interaction. Well, it's become, I mean, the things that were way ahead of their time, not even people that not even things that excited people that were just way ahead of the curve this this notion of watching video on the internet if you're not obviously at a university or someone with a t1 line that's not happening right but even having first year in college and all of us getting into college and hearing you know the people the grade up from us about all the things they were doing at universities on the web that us civilians weren't able to do because of our connection we're dealing with 28.8 modems, 14.4 modems. That's crazy. That, but to be able to, why would I do that? I'd just go to Blockbuster. <laughs> right. Hope I would hope that someone rewound their tape and that I wouldn't have to. Be kind of rewind. rewind. I wouldn't have to wait 90 seconds for the tape to rewind. Such an inconvenience. But I was always really excited for some of those people that rewound all the way up to the point where it started at the end of the previews. But sometimes I was upset because those previews were, were a big deal. Cause oh, yeah. That's the only way you could see trailers. True. Unless well, you actually went to a theater. To pay to go to a movie theater. Yeah. So we know that the web exists. We know that there's sites that we can go to. We know exactly what to type in the search. You know, we can get to these sites. What do you think the next step is from there? Well, think of even the type of data you could get where informationally the web was still not working. If you didn't weren't on a university because Microsoft came out with Encarta Encyclopedia on a CD, right? That was the time. That was the most proliferate time in human history for free coasters. Let a target <laughs> get all the AOL discs you could muster. What is this version eight? Oh, version nine. Version like, 
endlessly. It was great. I mean, you remember Yahoo, right? That was how how do we navigate through this world? I mean, Netscape Navigator is a browser and had some search capabilities, but how how do we get orient around this asteroid field? So I remember Yahoo. I mean, I remember Ask Jeeves. I remember Ask Jeeves. But I remember abusing Ask Ask Jeeves. I wasn't. (laughs) We didn't use Ask Jeeves. We abused Ask. I remember it was comical. Like you would go like what I think of when people talk to Siri and Alexa now. Like go on Ask Jeeves. Type in what you think would be the funniest thing, and then see like what would come up. Like it wasn't used as like you know finding the you know maybe there were people. What's the cheapest route to you know, Tuscaloosa, or how can I how can I become a better parent? That maybe people were asking those things, but my friends and I we were all asking the most ridiculous like question we could think of. I mean, it was that famous meme photograph of the guy looking at the girl walking by and his girlfriend looking at him in disgust. I sort of associate us as the as the dude looking at the lady walking by and the lady walking by is Ask Jeeves and our girlfriend is Clippy. <laughs> like Ask Jeeves was everything we wanted out of Clippy, never could get. So so out of that comes Google. Yeah. It's a Stanford uh believe they're graduate students at the time sergey brain and larry page uh they looked at yahoo they looked at s jeeves maybe and they saw okay well uh these yahoos are providing search as a way popularity in the amount of pages which would populate on a search or how many times the subject would populate on a search they're like okay let's create a relational search which became they call it PageRank, which is named after one of the founders, PageRank. And that's sort of the ground zero algorithm for Google. I mean, it's still there. It's entirely built on millions of more lines of code. And I can remember I can remember some, some of the first experiences I had with Google page ranks, like 1 through 10, like, or it would ask, are you sure, like, are you confident? Is this the thing, you're, this looking the thing you're looking for? Yeah. And then that would give you a really, like, very specific kind of result. But you had to be really sure, and it would ask you to click the, are you sure button? And that, it was, it was a different way of, like, trying to find data, but it did a better job of getting you to the place that you were looking for. Yeah. As definitely. opposed to like misspelling it, t- typing it in wrong, and then just getting frustrated with the error message and like giving up. The nice part about Google is no matter like how badly like you do it or how many, it's Google's still there. It's kind of comforting. Does it? It's not that very like frustratingly like cold and empty error message that just encourages you to give up. Yeah, I remember there was this ego-induced kick a lot of us would get depending on what we had searched for in that. We were each one of us were looking for the Google search the, that would the most supposed relational data about that search. So when we'd get a search that would come back that was like Google, <laughs> it's like wow, this is, like it's worth going to page two. Right. I heard someone say once, you know how you hide a dead body, put it on page two of Google. <laughs> it's true. Well, and the the funny the funniest part is that just the ways that like we test and torture all of these new technologies. That's yeah. so sort of a rite of passage that if there aren't people like figuring out ways to test it and see how it can be like twisted and contorted and punished then well, it's, it's a, i mean it's a form of bullying and the and the sentient robots will will recall this they'll be able to dial all the way back to ask jeeves <laughs> maybe the, the test subject 
of that bullying and then be like, oh, <laughs> this is where it started. That this is where it ends. So now, so now we're on we're on the internet. We're on the blah blah blah. We're on the we're on the World Wide Web. We're searching for things. We have this website that will help get us to where we need to go as seamlessly as possible. Where do we where do we what happens next? A lot of people came to realize that the internet in its worldwide web form changed communication forever like the joker from the dark knight and once that became a realization and we get pets.com and we get whatever you can sell on a on a website made your company valuable if you could sell popsicle sticks popsicle sticks.com you that was a marketing pitch to for valuation and to juxtapose that to now associating value whatever that means look i mean look at linkedin the amount of people that just put blockchain in their name mm. and how many times now they their name shows up like i've done it and linkedin kicks back to me the high percentage of searches that i've popped up on just because i've essentially plugged that into title or whatever it is you call it i mean it's the same same thing with with companies and their icos blockchain fill in the blank it's a just a placeholder to sort of cheat some sort of value and that's what happened with, with domains well back in the day and yeah. when i think about that i think about too that like all the different bitcoins you know bitcoin ira you know bitcoin and that that it may, it may have nothing to do with Bitcoin or with the technology behind it. You know, adding Bitcoin or blockchain into your name of your book or your website or anything associated with yourself that automatically puts you on a... Yeah, and I, I actually want to stop using block, blockchain as a word because of the stigmatization of it. And I just want to call it fucking sweet database. <laughs> so, or FSDB. I mean, so, until, so, so everyone would know that F, FSDB. FSDB, yeah. That they would know. That they would know because even the, even the word like blockchain is becoming almost vomit inducing. I'm choking on a little bit of something, something every time I read about it or hear about it. Cause I know the chasm between the ratio of it being said and how it's understood. Right. And so the right. easiest way I now look at it is you with SQL databases or data structures, you had a table, like an Excel spreadsheet that stores your information, cells and rows, right? You go to NoSQL, what the hell is that? That's table lists. Right which is based on JSON uh, or key signatures. And with FSDB or blockchain, you move into data structures being transactional, which is the pay dirt to this in that the idea of monetizing any sort of data because it's inherently rooted into how data is tr is exchanged. So does that does that go toward the decentralized nature then? Of that if there isn't the the rows and the columns that sort of that I mean that that it, to a degree because NoSQL decentralized in that in that sense it's not confined to a table class because and in fact that's why. It, it came about Hadoop. It's ju it's just a it's just a nightmare to scale up a table uh, data, and then when it probably more difficult to edit data in a table. It's 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 sort of just this confined environment where you're just building additional like modular things to offset problems, and that's sort of how innovation. We're talking about time loops and cycles and things and that's usually how a lot of this occurs like there's scaling issues in blockchain now and there's be there's innovations and, and solutions being talked about and, and worked on whatnot just as much as in databases there were scaling issues mm. and now we're doing the same 
same again. Dot com bubble, in some sense, was a scaling thing gone awry right. in the sense of they overscaled the value based on false pretense. So too too big and too valuable too fast? Uh possibly. I mean definitely you had the wrong people. I mean you went f- you went from the designers of the space no longer the faces of it and you now had marketing agencies that had no idea how the sausage was made and that's something that we're going to get to at the end of this podcast kind of talking about that about the people who are working yeah unethically in this space so we're going to save that for the end the bubble burst that leads to the rise of what did, what did you call it afka afka yeah i i mean it's it's a little afka yeah it's a little early but it's there. I mean, the internet was fairly benign after the bubble. We had 9-11. But at that time, what was becoming rather, rather popular was peer-to-peer networks through Napster, yep. through LimeWire. Uh, I believe the Pirate Bay was created around this time or shortly after. It may have had a different name prior to that, but I mean, which is a major component to blockchain. Yeah, but things were kind of boring on the web for a little so, while. So, uh, 02 to 03 or 04. Yeah, like yeah. The- I mean, you had MySpace come up, Friendster... Uh, so people were trying. Banking to, was just now getting getting online. People were exploring ways to use it socially, like real kind of day to day uses, and trying to f- test it out and figure out how this new thing was going to work in our lives. And you you had that massive wave of late adopters coming in for for a number of things, like oh I can I mean commercial banking and stuff was going on, but not a lot of personal banking. Right, and then uh, you started seeing at about that time the beginnings of PayPal, uh, which helped scale up eBay quite a bit. Yeah, that took eBay to another level. You and I have discussed this. I sold stuff on eBay for many years, and to think back to like selling something and then mailing out a money order or a check, hoping that like it would make it to where it was going and that you would get whatever you'd want on eBay to get it back. And then, you know, selling, wondering if the person who high bid and like bid up a baseball card to $100, would that person actually come through and, you know, mail you a check or a money order that would turn into cash? Yeah. And that PayPal changed the game on that where you could get paid for, you know, the auction could end and you could have the money in your PayPal account, you know, within 10 minutes of the auction closing. Yeah. That that was a real game changer for people who were buying and selling things on eBay. And so, yeah, that was around like 02, you know, 02, 03, pretty pretty widespread use for for that. Yeah, I mean, also, because it takes time for uh, not only exposure to technologies, I mean, adoption is one thing. Exposure to something that's new is a different step. But you had a lot of interesting innovations going on on the back end with PHP, JavaScript, uh, Python was invented. Very important languages now. Everything from online banners to mobile games. The creature comforts of the net that were just coming into being back then. But there was a lot of delay to do anything with them because they were they were sort of ahead of their time so where does it so then the next step is facebook oh four oh five yeah right the 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 social network uh not the movie yes the movie where (laughs) you had the uh the kid from harvard who uh for one reason or another you know the movie explains it to some capacity uh at harvard uh puts together i don't remember what it was called prior to the facebook it was called something else it was an exclusivity thing and through a series of events with sean parker the creator of napster 
and a number of other characters. Uh, Facebook went from the, the college to Silicon Valley to Europe to the States here and, and blew up. It was r- right around the time of the explosion of Facebook and the diminishment of MySpace that you had Steve Jobs come out with the, the, the iPhone, the smartphone. And in addition to that, you started seeing the beginnings of Twitter had a name before it was Twitter. Can't recall what that was. Medium, so blogging was becoming a big deal now in the mid, mid-aughts, late-aughts. And then YouTube shows up, 2004, 2005. Uh, being able to just place videos and share them and comment on them. Do you remember what the f- first YouTube video was? Because I don't. <sighs> but I thought it was its something very banal. Was it... Um... Video killed the radio star? Might as well be. I mean, <laughs> VR killed the AR star, wherever we are now. I'm trying to find the original the original name from Twitter, and it's they initially considered 10958. Man, that's fantastic. They should have just done THX. <laughs> what was the George Lucas movie? And that, the first tweet was, just setting up my TWTTR. Nice. I do remember I do remember seeing that, the first tweet. Smithsonian-worthy things. Makes me feel, 2006, March 21st, 2006. Kay. First tweet. Yeah. It makes me feel old. It's only going to get worse. Yeah. Well, I mean that's for another episode, but the big, the, some of the big news came out this week uh, about how they're gonna record the first porn with a sex robot. I digress, but anyway, okay. meet me, me at the zoo. First YouTube video, me. <laughs> that's at, what it was. Me at the zoo. Yeah. Twelve years ago, forty-six point seven. 46.7 million views. That's all it has right now. Nineteen seconds long. Wow. Okay. Me, me at the zoo. All right. You get into the late aughts. Android becomes a phone, becomes a thing. They they decide to compete with uh, Apple, and now you have mobile. So now you have the last of the last. Really considering the web is, oh, you know, it took them 15 years. What's this at symbol to be like? Okay, this isn't dying. Right. Uh, but at that point, you you now have a generation that is fully immersed into this other world. Right? So this is where you get text neck and the talk of the zombie apocalypse. Everyone's gonna have their head down. Well, <laughs> and that and the, a lot of that is based on fear. So when it was just people with a home computer, when it's just people with a home computer, I don't think there was as much fear. But when speed at which it was moving and the phones and like seeing people using it. I think they're really, you know, Joe and Susie out, you know, in the suburbs started to kind of being afraid of thinking of what it, it could be. And that's a part of, like, out of sight, out of mind, I feel like, that when people were just using computers in their home and no one knew what other people were doing, we didn't have, I mean, there was some live stream, some 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 cam stuff back then but not nearly as much as now but we didn't know what people were using it for but when we see people on their phones we start finding out what people are using it for we see people with laptops everywhere um that really accelerated some of like what like what is this going to be in 10 years what's going to like what's going to happen are computers going to take over the world by 2012 no, well, right in time for the world to end. Right. For a really, really... Mind Calendar <laughs> failed miserably. For an exciting uh, John Cusack movie. Yeah, I mean, Mind Calendar is just the more ancient version of Y2K. Just didn't come to fruition. Yeah, but now you're starting to see, like, video game consoles. I mean, there's PC gaming for a while, but now you're starting to see video game consoles vying, competing for the attention, needing to use the web as a, to supplement 
uh, a thing that they had already they had established dominance for 30 years starting with pong even but like atari and nintendo uh but now they can't they they have to adapt to being a part of this online space. this might shock some of our like younger listeners minds but i do remember buying a ps2 and plugging in a dsl did it have a dsl hookup I mean, I still thought it had Ethernet of some capacity, but... And that blew my mind. Mine's a little blurry. That, like, there was... You could plug the internet into your PlayStation. Ready Player One. That, and... and Not plugging that movie at all. And now there are children who won't play any game that isn't online, and that's absurd that, like, we played... But they are still willing to use their hands. Because if you remember (laughs) the futuristic, now historical document, documentary of Back to the Future 2... Michael J. Fox walks into the Cafe 80s, and he's really ready to show these kids up, and he's firing that gun, shoots all the dogs, whatever. Kids are like, you have to use your hands? It's like a baby's toy. That is not accurate, in fact. <laughs> we haven't come that far. No. Do, you know, do you know who one of those children were? One of the no, little... What sort of meta trivia is this? Frodo. One of those kids is Elijah Wood. <laughs> is that true? True this story. This isn't fake news? Frodo was in the future. Frodo. Okay. True story. Dig it. Dig it. So. So, baby Elijah Wood. Eat your eat tonight. Yeah. Okay. All right. I digress. We're at social media taking over the world. Everyone's on their phones. A little before tablets, but the world it's changing really fast. Yeah. Was well, was it 2010, 2011 when the iPad came out? Yep. So yeah, we're getting into that. We're getting into Kindles showed up. Kindles were big. I very briefly worked at a Best Buy, and I was um, supposed to be selling DVDs and showing people to Divids? season one of Glee. Here's season, or telling people we were out of season one of Glee. Okay. But then I was also tasked with learning about um, Kindles and Nooks because that was the Christmas season that Kindles and Nooks I was supposed yeah. to Zunes to sell Did you sell any Zunes or is that way way past your time that, cuz that that's was, pre-iPod no that was this was this was season 1 of Glee I, I don't know when that and I know all you youngsters know what a Zune is because what's his face at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is given a Zune that's where kids get their yeah. historical information yeah. on superhero movies well that's all we have Telling, you know, trying to explain that, like, how many books can be on this. <laughs> yeah, because they would have those advertisements of just thousands of books disproportionately stacked on top of each other as if it were ghosts doing it because, as Bill Murray says in Ghostbusters, no human stacks books this way. And I, I always wanted to ask, like, why like, like, why, like, why do you need 50 books, you know? Like, how much do you read, you know? Yeah. Like, just read it and then... You know, download download a new book, but people just really wanted there to just be as many tons and tons of books. But I suppose I kind of dialing it back a little bit in our history here. That was a time early two thousands when Google was doing this crazy thing of we're going to scan all the world's books. Like, <laughs> what? I don't want to believe that. And like, did they actually scan all the books? No, because believe you me, I have done a thorough job over the years finding the books they don't have online. But more or less. There's there's quite a bounty well, more than you'll ever get to. How get many to. how many people would have to f- work full time for how long to do like? I mean they they did a valiant job. An A for effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, technology is always a, in terms of computing or how we understand technology. It's always a dance of macro and micro. I mean even roll back 300 years, the invention 
as we, for, for the most part, understand the microscope and the telescope, they were invented relatively within the same time frame of each other. You know, one dialing down into a space we were completely uh, incapable of seeing, and another space, literally, we were overwhelmed to see. And now we're taking this internet that's providing all, all of this information, uh, more than we can ever read, more than we can ever consume, and now we're putting in a thing that can fit in our pocket instead of a brick, right? Thinking of the 80s Zach Morris phone. Yeah, or Richard Gere from Pretty Woman. Yeah, so phenomenal cosmic power, itty bitty living space. Am I going to be able to get off my movie kick? Probably not, but here we are. And that's about 2010, 2012. I mean, we did have the the housing crash, but in terms of affecting the internet, I don't really recall it changing outside of how the internet changed politics. There would be people looking at the internet to see how much money they lost. I mean, right. But I do. I mean, I do drastically remember how much I mean, the sure. internet and social media and stuff changed the way political campaigns worked. And all jokes aside, you know, in relation to that time frame, in reality, what events like that do is that it really puts it slows down and puts a stop to innovation. That it it doesn't people who may be investing in innovation or or in kind of expanding certain things that it kind of pauses and stops. And and some people may say that that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it really kind of just like puts a, just kind of a place of limbo. Yeah, I'd, I, would, I would refine, for my personal curiosity, I would refine that statement, call it into question, does it stop innovation or does it refrain adoption of innovation? Because of that state of fear, uncertainty. Well, so that's that a, I always forget the third one. Yeah, D FUD, well, distrust, whatever. And that's where, like, depending on like what your interpretation is, and depending on your stance, like people may kind of see it in different places. And that some people think that, like, in your in order to have change and to have sort of a new way of looking at things that we need to experience and go through things like that to get to creative thinkers or people to try things that what some might deem is outside the box yeah well and what came i think it was that year or was it the year that it almost died tesla wasn't tesla adopted or created or established in 2008 or i mean as the story goes i mean he was musk was like minutes from midnight to losing everything until an investor came in last minute you know the one minute to midnight and pulled it out from the primordial muck but i mean again that took a long time in in tech years tech adoption years as gary v always says people don't like the journey they don't like they want to see the end they want to see the end of the destination (laughs) like when it comes to this stuff people didn't care about elon in 2008 outside of the people that believed in him but like the talk of an electric car that was affordable was insane well that's funny that you say that about the journey is as a therapist as as i treat people i (laughs) stress that it's not about the black and white and that you're you know the journey is just as important as like success or failing but that's for uh, gary v and i can well, especially if the journey consists of being in coach with a bad bout of insomnia, the person that doesn't know how to upright their chair in front of you, and you can't even get water <laughs> on the flight, and the bathroom's full, because 10,000 Mile Club, people behind you. That's 
It's all part of the journey. It's all part of the journey. It's all part of the journey. Yeah. Don't stop believing. We're getting closer to we're getting closer to present day. Definitely, the last eighteen months, the last two years, have changed the way that we view information, especially news. I know that you're not a big fan of fake news. What was the other misinformation? Misinformation. Are you, are you more comfortable with misinformation? I mean, to a degree. I was actually that was a great site in the the late nineties, early aughts. Misinformation. Disinformation dot com. It's fantastic. It may exist still. I'm not sure, but it was it was fantastic. I wouldn't say it was the place where Alex Jones was born. I will say, yeah, that's that's it. Uh, but it's fantastic. Dis yeah. disinfo. Disinfo dot com. Shortened okay. it. All right. Disinfo. Yeah. So we have egg. A young that. Alex Jones would have like. I think it would have been in too intense. Homepage would have been too much for him at that at this point. At this point, it would have been too much. Transdimensional lizard people. Yeah, (laughs) it was launched in September of 1996. Yeah, transdimensional lizard people that were into Korean sex robots that were powered by ASIC chips mining Bitcoin. So they took the uh, what was the um, the grocery store checkout, the black and white newspaper, the National Enquirer, (laughs) similar. I mean, I've asked the question now for at least a couple of years, and I was serious, but now. Where, where we're at i asked the question what happens when the entire entire internet is seen as clickbait doesn't matter anymore right, <laughs> right. now everything is right. now every like the onion is considered the most verified piece of new most valuable no, news organization you and i've had this conversation before i That's had, had to scroll through the onion to like click to make sure that it was like it was re- like I look for that little green logo to reassure me that you know the world isn't coming to an end and that it really is a joke what they're writing or is it? Well, even I mean, even for even for the Onion, that wasn't enough anymore. That's why they had to create Clickhole. True, it's it's a difficult time to be a human. We've gotten to the misinformation stage. Yeah. Well, we've gotten got. We've entered a pol- proliferation of misinformation when it comes to. I think it. I think just looking at how humans work, there's th- I, there's three eyes: inventors, imitators, idiots, and or innovators. You, either one, they're interchangeable. Innovators, inventors, imitators, idiots. There's there's a there's a there's a natural desire to be wanted to be part of a group. I honestly think. Because yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of bad actors out there putting out a lot of bad information, but I also but we we don't we can only assume their intention. There might be people that just like do it for, like this is this is peer pressure on steroids. You know they're they're just that's how gossip works, right? The, what is it called the Hen, Henlo Henleys about how the world operates more than likely out of stupidity and not malice. Right. Henlo's law. Something like that. That that works with these groups. Like people get together and they they do water cooler talk, and it's the whole idea of I don't know. I'm not lying if I don't know what I'm saying isn't true. Right. Well, but that we we this, the you know the the inventor the thinker then you know you go and you fact check what you're hearing and that you maybe you gain some more information than that you make your own educated opinion or stance. Sure. But. Sure. How often, how often, I'm being like, gen, how often do people go, see, there's a difference. There's a difference of going to the source of the, of the news and there's going to the source of information. Right. So like a good one, I hear a lot, I hear a lot, there's a lot of war and language right now for one reason or another. Right. Okay. One of them is guys. Like you can't use guys in a group 
That doesn't include men. I'm just going to simply say guys is a 700-year-old word that's derived from not men, not women, not ladies, not dudes, leaders. So when someone says guys, they're either referring to leaders, hey leaders, or more than likely not, a reference to Guy Fox, <laughs> which wasn't his real name. His real name was Guido. But that's where, like, seeing people or individual that, you know, that go, you know, depending on, like, the words that you use and the language you use, that, you know, if you say something that's offensive to someone else, that we have a really, there's a gap between how we communicate with someone that we share a lot in common with that the understanding or the thought the thought not necessarily the understanding that this other person should understand what i'm trying to communicate with them but we really have no idea how someone's going to react to the words that we use Correct. so it becomes very difficult to share with people and kind of communicate what we're thinking because if we're always second guessing if we're going to say something right or something wrong that then you know we tend to all have the same sort of um, accepted verbiage and idea be a part of everyone's everyday conversation and that's where kind of one idea thinking and, and propaganda comes from uh, at least in, in in my opinion. Well, usually when it comes to trying to verify the difference between bad and good, there's a historical choice to look at intent. So if your intention is to mislead or misdirect or misinform uh, or, not, or not provide uh, the information that someone's seeking, that in itself is, is propaganda. It's deceptive but it, it can also just be a general matter of shocking using information to shock reality in a way like art like art you look at something and it you're it's trying a to disconnect from reality in some in an abstract way in an interpretive way and some artists attempt to create reaction and that their art is meant to do that. right and yeah we're at a we're at a real strange space where it's it's not just what information to believe or not believe or trust or not trust it's who's distributing it to us why they're distributing it to us what we receive like how we intake it and that's both in the digital world and the non-digital world but that's becoming just more and more blurred uh it's 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 moving from like dependency is not even necessarily a right word when you have the supreme court did a thing on cell phones about essentially you have to get a search warrant for a cell phone because this is an extension of your person. Was that was that a part of the San Bernardino? We oh, had with the, the iPhone? Apple, when they, when oh, when they asked they Apple to get access? I, th I believe it was, a, it was a separate separate event. Nonetheless, yeah, we're at a place where cybernet... We're at a place of adopting cybernetics. We just don't call it that because we associate cybernetics to, like, Terminator or something of that nature. We're connected all the time to this place, and we're still not down the rabbit hole completely. There's the creator of Magic Leap referenced our our innovation chain is now sort of dependent on how deep we connect to parts of the brain. And so, with I believe it was Magic Leap. It was a, I believe it was an augmented reality. It was a virtual reality company, and they were just, they were making the point of with every new innovation when it comes to this space, 
it's really just tapping into yet one deeper level into the into the physical brain of the human. How much how much technology? The question is how much technology is it going to require if not already to occupy the brain where we will no longer be able to engage with a world outside of web connection or internet of things connection or well that just goes back to like emotion mind thinking of like when we let our emotions make decisions for us we may do things that we regret we may break something or say something that we regret because our emotions are we're thinking with our emotions instead of rational rational reasonable thought and that is there going to be you know a third part where the you know you know the internet or our devices are for us yeah. Well, Google we, did say years ago that they wanted to be the third half of our brain. Which is a really scary, <laughs> a scary thing. Yeah. And my thing is when, when it's one thing to make that statement, to make that promise, whatever you want to call it. It's another thing when you can deliver on that and the, pe the people accept it. And then that gets into also sort of where blockchain could go when you're dealing with these big, the big four companies, Amazon, Google, Facebook, Apple that are bigger than most countries, they're bigger than most states, they have more resources, more access to cash in hand than most uh, geopolitical entities in the world, but they're not they're not countries. They're not countries. Like they 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 went through no congressional convention to become a state uh, or they weren't voted in. There was no there was no deliberation of any kind, but people have just adopted them by nature of their services and whatnot to to give them this power. And now, which constitutionally is it's illegal for a state to live within a state. Like there's no Vatican in America as there is in Italy, or within Rome, if you will. But there is. I mean, what what I mean outside of a military, and that's I mean, Amazon's taking all of the government's defense and contracts and data, bringing it onto some secret server on AWS, not on S3 or something. Uh, now they're talking about they're going to get in healthcare. They want to get into banking. They've been talking about doing crypto. What what exactly does Amazon have to do to, for the world to to look at them and be like, uh, where mean, does it stop? Where like, does it stop? Where doesn't it does? Well, it well, does usually when things where things stop or when something really bad happens. Right. So until until some something really bad happens, and people continue to go along with it. Where does it stop? Is a question. Hopefully nothing bad has to happen so that there becomes somewhat kind of evened out, but you don't really know. And so you, we have this con continuous proliferation of, of a vertical hierarchy of power, access, of influence, which comes leads into segues into blockchain. Right? It started with the banking crisis, but now you have Facebook banning ads of, of cryptocurrency. Google just coming out banning ads of cryptocurrency, even though two days, ironically, two days prior to this or three days prior, Tim Berners-Lee issued on his, his W3 page about the internet becoming weaponized based on, obviously, no surprise if he would be saying Amazon, Facebook, Google, Apple, that sort of thing. Censorship coming about through other channels, same channels, and they can do that because they who's gonna who's stopping them? Nobody's stopping. Right. My, so the next question is, in what ways could our life, what we went through and talked about with this for the internet and kind of where we are, there was a, you know, it took about 40 years. Yeah, 40 years to go from this, to go, to, you know, from the 70s to now. So in what ways can blockchain, what will that look, what will the next 10 years of blockchain look like comparatively? 
if they, all of what we talked about today and you know with the internet world wide web yeah you know, the last 40 years what could the next 10 years of blockchain what it could look like could be great how it how it's going to pan out i think is is regardless going to be some response of, of extremes like we've already we're already seeing it with the the, the major the massive amount of either regulation or talk of regulation. Uh, obviously, what major companies are doing, China trying to ban it, India trying to ban it. But then you have on the flip side, uh, Japan is all in on this. Switzerland's all in on this. Obvi- the activity in Africa, the going in, and depending on your your lifestyle uh, and where you live, uh, some countries just can't afford to try to regulate this sort of thing. Right. And well, you, have, you have this. You have the. You have the world, you have the globe experimenting on this platform, not just in a little area here or there. And I think the important part of like differentiating like what people like what are they trying to ban? Like the, you, you can't ban blockchain. Well, th- yeah, I mean, if we're talking about that, you're trying you're trying to ban a really fucking sweet database. Right. Um, outside of that, you ha- then have to consider the other layers. It's open. Well, obviously, that makes opaque government systems that are continuously are exposed as being corrupt rather nervous. Right? Bo- borderless. Borderless, as we understand it, absolutely. That makes financial institutions that have been known to be corrupt over and over again very nervous but then on top of that uh just the mechanism itself if i have a thing i can download on my phone is secure you know has more encryption or as much encryption as nearly the nuclear launch codes that is protected by hundreds of thousands of people as a security mechanism that i can that allows me to send money anywhere i want almost instantaneously what do i need a bank for right honestly right and then but those are the things that are talked about over and over and over again the the peer-to-peer network thing is obviously already shown that that that's very effective like that goes back 20 years with napster and 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 limewire and these other types of types of network uh it's just getting data from here and there and then being able to monetize that any way you want like between peers and peers well we see that all the time i mean how much of the world or of our daily lives with the apps and things we interact with is gamified right seemingly everything's gamified like and people are being able to make money on these meta economies Look at the look at the amount of money six like these kids are making on Twitch. Like it, it makes the notion of school obsolete. Like if you're making more money sitting home playing video games than any teacher you ever had growing up is teaching what to you exactly. Right. So I actually make I actually make the argument that when in the old ancient days when the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution were written, they didn't free people obviously because we still had the thing with slaves women's suffrage and things like that they did to a degree but i would say they freed markets more than they freed people that's what we're seeing now with with data right so tim berners lee came out a few years ago in a ted con ted talk and he said the internet was like my way of the magna carta and well i think blockchain is, is sort of the, that next step right where we're on the cusp of freeing ourselves from the from monarchies of of, of exchange of value if that's data if that's currency, if that's our time, our attention, whatever is ours is ours, and it opens up the gates for us to voluntarily be able to choose with other people and other entities on this flat space uh, because security is taken care, care of. You don't have to worry about that, largely compared to what we have now. Right? We have a control over what we share, how much we want to... Yeah, we have consensus over the rules that have, are really, really, really difficult to cheat or to scheme specifically because it's open like if you're trying to cheat it people lots of eyes are going to see that like these are things we don't have in traditional power structures i mean the the concept of stuff being behind closed doors happens all the time so what power structure 
has those things that are ripe for attack, our credit scores, banks, our credit cards, okay? Those can be adjusted. The way, you know, social media with Steemit, DTube, all these things, that's already up and running. Like, I mean, we're, we're making 50 cents right now in videos. We just started doing this. That's far more, like how many eyes would have to be on a YouTube video for us to do that? Thousands? Yeah, this is just by a, this is just by a handful of people uh, engaging with us right now. That's only gonna scale up the more we in interact with that space. So it's... I mean, col college can be entirely different. Like, I'm just selling you education on a blockchain. What are... Like, we already have the distribution in the platform, right? Like, we can distribute this podcast to half a... Like, we'll get to that, <laughs> but half a quadrillion sectors of the internet for free now. Right. Why can't we do that with... Formally, why can't we do that with education? I mean, it's already the attitude of, like, yeah, we can learn whatever we want online outside of, like performing surgery on a body could do that I, there was yeah. someone a, but there i mean in time, that, that, in time that won't matter because the robots will do that right it's a crazy wild world out there but blockchain's awesome and hopefully hopefully it's used for good not evil so we were going to get to a couple other things i don't think we're going to have time but that helps kind of time seg that kind of helps segue into uh, uh side chains so what sorts so we some of these longer podcasts um, we're gonna do some side side casts. We're gonna do some shorter, smaller kind of get one topic rants. Get focused on one topic for a shorter amount of time. Um, for those of you who can't muscle out forty five minutes um, to an hour, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna jump into the uh, what's going on with uh, what one thousand dollars will buy you uh, um, on Forbes.com. Also talk about uh, Google Ads and the changes that they announced uh, this week. Um, if I can get a Crypto Kitty for a thousand bucks, what can I get on Forbes? A one-eye uh, purple spotted Crypto Kitty. One-eyed, one-eared, <laughs> blind purple people eater, something of that nature. Uh, but before we go today, we want to talk about really quick where you can find us. <laughs> where can't you find us? So... Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. This is all under Makers of Chains. We're all on Twitter. So makersofchains.com. Makersofchains.com. We're on DTube. We're on Steepshot. We're on Steemit. We're on YouTube. We're on... Did you say DTube? Yeah. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Uh, we're on... Uh, we have our own Telegram space. Anchor? Uh, we're on Anchor, which allows us to be on Anchor's website, which is a podcasting website iTunes, Spotify, Me uh, Medium. We're on Medium. Yeah, is that enough for you? <laughs> Not for us. If there, if there's Not on Discord. Sorry. If there, if there's something we're forgetting, please. If there's something or something that we, I'm going to create a MySpace page. We should, if there's something we should know about. Um, please, That's where we sell our music. Please contact us. And let us know. If you say Facebook, we'll probably ignore you. But that's okay. Yeah, we're not there. We're not there. Never, never will be. I don't know. Until think. everyone else leaves. I don't think so. Then we'll go there. Then like, we'll go. Like, well, I mean, I'm now on a MySpace page. Right. Maybe Friendster. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much. And as we finish every time, may the fork be with you.